0: Follow the money. That's what I always say. You always follow yeah,
3: the money.
4: Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Pauly Howard on VCN.
0: Here we go. We're live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resorts and Casino. Mitch Moss, Pauly Howard here on a Thursday morning, this specific day of the week. Uh, we are always loaded with guests. On today's program, we have Nigel Seeley talking soccer, Brad Powers, college football, Mike Palm from here at Circa is going to be in studio later on. And Paul Charchian with maybe a look or two at props tonight. And also fantasy for week number two. How are you feeling today about this game that we have coming up tonight? The Eagles are down to six almost everywhere now. It's nuts. It's a war of attrition. I mean, this,
4: is, this reminds me of the NBA, right? Kelsey misses a game. Rogers out for the year. Bosa hurt. Eckler hurt. Bre- both Bar- Bradbury's out. Uh, Darisha, uh, uh, questionable game time, the way it sounds for yeah. him Cox questionable. I mean, and more injuries with the Eagles. I know it's, it's, it's becoming the NBA where you're, you're not going to know who's playing hours before the game.
0: Yep. Officially, as you said there, it's uh Bradbury Blankenship out in the secondary for the Eagles tonight. Kenneth Gainwell, who was by, I don't, I do not understand the running back situation. Neither does Nick Sirianni. Yep. And I uh, will tell you what he said about one of his running backs here coming up in a minute. But Gainwell was the the lead back in Week One, uh, and he produced. He is not playing in this game tonight. You said Cox as well, banged up. The the defensive line is so deep. I still think they're going to be able to dominate this banged up uh, Vikings offensive line. But also remember what happened when they played Week Two last year in Philadelphia, and it was a bloodbath, mm-hmm. right? Philly took them apart, and it was not a great game for Justin Jefferson. I think he had, what, six for 48 in that game? That's right. And there was a lot of trash talk going into it. Well, I think both sides certainly remember that. And there's maybe a little bit of desperation here by the Vikings, by the way, because they've heard the the same exact thing that everybody talked about throughout the entire offseason, and that is they won 13 games. Nobody was buying into them for the most part. They gave away the first game of the season. They lose tonight 0-2. Not great. Kirk
4: Cousins, 2-16 straight up in primetime. Against teams with a winning record. You mentioned the uh, massacre last year, 24-7. to Cousins had three interceptions. He was their leading rusher with 20 yards. Scoreless second half as well. Minnesota, 2.4 yards per carry against Tampa Bay as well. So can I'll tell you this, I give up, though. If, if Hawkinson doesn't go off, I give up. After what Hunter, Hunter Henry did in, in Game 1 on Sunday and the injuries... To the linebackers and on this Philly defense, if this guy can't eat and go off tonight, then I uh, I give up because I think he should have a big game. So as much as you want to talk and they get Jefferson going, who was uh, shut down and contained in last year's meeting, that's the guy I'm looking at from a prop standpoint tonight for Minnesota. But I don't know what to get with Cousins. I mean, Kirk, awful in prime time. Total domination last year, couldn't do anything. And uh, the numbers look good, but three silly turnovers in the loss against Tampa. Now, let me throw this at you, too. What do you think of the fact that uh, Tampa and Baker Mayfield. I don't know why he would share this, but Baker Mayfield said he had the defensive signals by Minnesota. Right. So that's something they got to clean up, but also maybe yeah. you
0: got to ponder why. Why couldn't you move the ball against? And, it but oh, oh, by the way, a short week to clean that up. That's right. They don't. They're not playing right. again on Sunday. They get it right away tonight, right. and then the, it, that report comes out, and Mayfield's talking about it like, um, okay, well now we need, we need to change everything that we did in week one. So. You have that going as well. I can't trust Cousins as far as you can throw them. There's no way. But this number was at eight early, down to seven and a half, down to seven, now down to six, that very key number of seven to go all the way through it. Again, a lot of injuries are taking place here. Let me ask you this, because both these teams are playing for the second straight year, and the way the Eagles looked last week, yes, they covered. Be honest with yourself. They should not have. They probably should have lost the game as well. Um, They were outplayed. They gave up a lot of yards. In fact, they were outgame by about 150 yards. The one team that I thought of, um, and it, it, you get this with Super Bowl hangovers like all the time. What if they struggle tonight? And what if they struggle out of the gates again? You're a li- you were a lifelong Vikings fan before you eventually gave up on them. They're playing that team tonight. What about the year after the Vikings lost to the Falcons and gave that game away in the AFC title game? I recall that team coming out of the gates. Expectations were through the roof, mm. and they were struggling big time, if I recall. That's a that's a
4: good observation and a good memory because you also now have the same situation where that was Brian Billick, who was the OC, who then took the Ravens' job, and the Vikings hired Ray Sherman, who didn't know what he was doing. So they got off to the slow start after they set the record for points, and how dangerous his Philadelphia team was last year. Now you got Steichen who left, and obviously also Gannon. But they got off to the slow start, and they blamed the coordinator. Well, then they benched Randall Cunningham, and then they brought in Jeff George, and they couldn't be stopped. Won a playoff game and then lost, I think, like 49-37 to the Rams, if memory serves. So you might have something there. Uh, But the other thing is, 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 is it not playing in the preseason? Is it getting off to the slow start in just week one? You're right. They were awful. They shouldn't have won the game. No business covering, uh, and it didn't look right from an offensive standpoint. But was it? Is it a top five New England defense? And then bad weather. Who knows? Maybe Swift goes off today. I will say this: being from that area and following this team for so long, this is a game they never win. Oh no, they no, never no, win this no, game. Ever, ever. They, they historically, we're tr- trash on grass, bad outside. It goes back to Denny Green, and all the, I mean, it just they, this is a game they do not win as an organization. So I, I'm, I know it's a little. Some issues with the Philadelphia offensive line as well. But Minnesota's lost six in a row. Excuse me, 0-6 on the road ATS and openers. So I wouldn't be surprised, though, if Philly wins and gets the cover, though. Mm
0: -hmm. 49's a total. Uh, Our buddy Adam Chernoff, listening to his podcast, he likes the over. Thinks there's going to be points in this game. I do think that Cousins should be able to throw for plenty of yards. And I actually think Jefferson has a good game tonight. Banged up secondary. He and Hawkinson both should have good games. The problem is going to be how much time they're going to be able to give. Cousins, obviously, missing their center. If Derrissaw misses the game as well, well, uh-huh. going back to last year, that was big when he was injured. And despite those Eagles injuries, up front again, loaded. And uh, if you want to use, which I will here, Pro Football focuses numbers from Week 1. Jalen Carter, the rookie graded out, is one of the best defensive linemen in the entire league. He was getting pressures all day long against the Pats. And by the way, they were down a couple of offensive linemen. Uh, Jordan Davis graded out well. Uh, Cox is banged up, like we like we talked about. But other guys, Brandon Graham is very good. Reddick last year was awesome. They have Josh Sweat, and for what it's worth, against this Vikings offensive line last week, Vita Vea and Devin White both had really good games. And I look at uh, the best games that wide receivers had against Philly in 2022 because their secondary was very good last year. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of guys went off. CeeDee Lamb had a game where he had 10 catches for 120 and two touchdowns. That's great. The other game, he had five for 68. Terry McLaurin had a good game. Uh, two good games, actually. Six for 102 and eight for 128. Hollywood Brown had eight for 78 and a touchdown. Other than that, again, that was pretty... Like, a like number one wide receivers did not do much against this team last year. And I expect a bounce-back game tonight from J.J.
4: It appears Addison can play, too. And Addison's going to be a problem. Yeah. So maybe he has uh, some long receptions as well. See if Minnesota can get anything going on the ground. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I, uh, unlikely, in my opinion. But I, I was—I uh, thought I was right, but I couldn't cash the ticket Sunday. I think the Vikings are going to be an over team. But going up and down the field against Tampa. But then the silly turnovers. Flores blitzed 48% of the time against Tampa. So I think they're going to try to outscore people this year and be in being a lot of high-scoring games. And this guy's going to gamble. And this guy's going to take shots. And certainly Tampa can't hurt you, and Mayfield didn't hurt you. But we'll see if Hurts can do that today. And, I mean, with Gainwell out now, Swift can't get 35 yards rushing? I mean, this is Brees Hall all over again. Mm. Who's getting
0: the yards on the ground then? Well, that's the thing, right? How do they actually split it up? Is it going to be Swift? How much of a role does Penny play tonight? Boston Scott, he can sneak in there for a touchdown once in a while. But, yeah, here's the thing, right? Why you have to like Swift tonight at least a little bit. Sirianni came out on Sunday. And said that he can see DeAndre Swift playing the role of lead back. And he also looked at the box score and said, yeah, he needs more than two touches. So when a coach does that after week one, realize there's maybe something glaring that uh, they forgot to do in week one to week two, that's probably going to get corrected tonight. Right, the the running back here room should never ever be a problem. They go out without Gainwell tonight. Okay, Gainwell's yeah, good. I right. like the guy, but Howard, they're still loaded, and they they have three right. different guys here.
4: Goddard was also uh, visibly frustrated in the, in the win Sunday. You yeah. can see that too, not yeah. to the extent of Clay you know, Claypool who shut it down, but
0: you saw how Goddard was uh, was upset with what they were doing or not doing in this case. Yeah, and uh, people from the get go liked Goddard's props tonight this week. Yeah, like as early as Monday when. You're not going to have a lot of books posting props as early on uh, as Monday for a Thursday night game. I'm not saying he gets five, six catches, but if Hawkinson can't get 50 yards,
4: I'll be stunned. And I'm going to bet that. I just, uh, he should have a, after what Hunter Henry
0: did. I mean, this guy's going to be, I think, a big focal point of the offense tonight. Right. And in today's VSIN newsletter, you can go to our website, VSIN.com slash subscribe. The newsletter has been awesome. Um, This is pointed out by Jason Lattice, who is our prop analyzer here. He was four and two last week. If you go back and look at the history of Jalen Hurts and his passing yards, it's two hundred and fifty-one and a half tonight. He is 17 and 8 to the under in his last 25 games on that number. 251 and a half. And this one is a doozy. AJ Brown, his receptions number has moved. It's five and a half. The under was minus one hundred twenty-five. It's now minus one hundred forty this morning. AJ Brown is 51 and 18 to the under five and a half catches in his career I don't think I would have guessed that big of a uh, disparity there-hmm that is
4: huge yep yeah. all the makings though the NFC champs back at home national television primetime Kirk Vikings on the road
0: I, I don't want me ma- I, I, well that that's I how you're going to be that's why you're going to hate yourself if it doesn't come in with Hawkinson We'll look back at the game tomorrow morning to begin the show, and it's like Kirk Cousins sure. threw for 192 yards and had four ints. Yeah. Maybe
4: maybe has no time to throw. It could be, uh, yeah, absolutely. Could maybe be the case. so many
0: so many guys hurt. Yes. Can they run it at all with Madison tonight? I doubt it.
4: I know. I no. I, mm, no. The he, might, know. he might give up on the run too. I mean, that, that's the thing with O'Connell. Yeah. I mean, they were just they were throwing, having so much success throwing it. I mean, they didn't really try to establish much, and you see what what happened Sunday.
0: Right, it's going to have to be quick release time. The secondary, they're without two guys tonight. Mm -hmm. You have weapons across the board to throw the ball to. There should be a game plan here where Kirk's not running around and, you know, Bedlam's going to break loose all Mm -hmm. of a sudden. Up next, win some, lose some. Coming up, uh, Paulie's going to recap last night's betting action. We are live with the ticket at 150-1. to Another great performance. Details coming up on Follow the Money. It's VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on v
0: Welcome aboard. It is Follow the Money. We're live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. We'll talk college football with Brad Powers coming up in 30 minutes right now to lead off this hour. Nigel Seeley joins the program talking some soccer, best bets in, uh, well, football. He's on vacation in Greece. yet taking some time to join us today. He's been examining all these leagues. Uh, good morning, mate. How you been?
5: Very well, guys. How are you? Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting to you. I haven't spoken to you for a couple of weeks. That dreaded international break, the worst thing you could ever have at the start of a new season. Suddenly four four games in, I'll tell you what, we'll have an international break. They've had international breaks for months. What's the point of that when the season gets going? But good to have the Premier League back and uh, looking forward to some action picks at the moment. Yeah.
0: Okay, let's begin here then. Uh, with a team that you called basically addition by subtraction the last time that you were on with us, Tottenham takes on Sheffield United here. They're a gigantic favorite. But what is your approach to this match, Nigel?
5: Well, let's just it's just give you a couple of things we need to sort of clear up this week in the Premier League to give you sort of some idea. Uh, overs betters have been cashing every week in mm-hmm. the Premier League so far, and, and there may be a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction that everyone thinks we should be betting overs, but it happens every season at this time of year don't suddenly just jump onto the overs train thinking you're going to cash. And when we get to November, December, where the weather changes in the UK, then obviously the unders come in again. So it's, it's a trend that we see. So it's not really as high as that the, the best in public will led you to believe. The other thing we've got to remember here now is we've just come back from an international week. So a lot of the big clubs in English football have had 14, maybe 15 players. Liverpool and Tottenham had 13 and 14 players respectively, Play all over the world in international matches. So that's an important factor when they return to their clubs for matches this weekend. And also, it's the return of the Champions League in midweek and also the return of the Europa League. Now, that is more important for me. Teams that have big matches in the Champions League may be looking at resting players. Manchester United this weekend has a very difficult match against Brighton, and then in midweek, they have to go to Bayern Munich to face Harry Kane in a massive match. So that is significant play. So that's a couple of things you have to, uh, to consider. So let's talk about Tottenham against Sheffield United, two clubs that don't have anything to really worry about in European football whatsoever. Tottenham do had, did have a lot of players returning from the international break, which, is, which isn't ideal. But Tottenham under the new manager and their life without Harry Kane have really surprised me. Harry Kane has been such an important figure Tottenham. He was the catalyst for all their good play. He scored 60% of their goals. He was the the captain in the absence of uh, Hugo Lloris as well when he didn't play. And um, everyone expected Tottenham to struggle without Harry Kane. It's had an opposite effect. Players who who were in the shadow of Harry Kane have come out and played exceptionally well. Son scored a hat-trick last week, and he's thriving in that position as the main man. They brought in James Madison. A guy from Leicester who, who, was, who was a brilliant football player has turned out to be probably one of the signings of the Premier League all season. And the, the combination that he has formed with Son has made them a very formidable side. And Tottenham fans this season, after years of having problems, I don't think they're going to win the league, but they've been boring to watch. They've been dull. They've been relying on a Harry Kane penalty or a Harry Kane free kick. Suddenly, they're playing some really, really attacking attractive football. Every single one of Tottenham's matches this season, they've scored at least two goals. They scored five in their last match, and they're a club team full of confidence. And they play a Sheffield United side, who I've already said I think will get relegated. I still think Sheffield United will finish bottom uh, behind Luton. I think Luton will struggle, but I think Sheffield United will struggle as well. They did score two goals in a 2-2 draw against Everton, but Everton are equally as poor as, as them as well. So um, I don't think we're going to get carried away from that match. I think this is going to be a very one-sided match. They're a very heavy favourite, as you said, Tottenham. But I think Tottenham minus one and a half here, so to win by two goals or more. And when you consider that Tottenham scored at, two, at least two goals in every one of their matches this season in the Premier League, I think they'll continue that run against a very, very poor Sheffield United side. And I don't see Sheffield United scoring. So... A very comprehensive win for Tottenham. Tottenham minus one and a half. My first pick at minus one thirty.
4: That's Saturday morning. Also, Aston Villa takes on Crystal Palace. Maybe a bit of a surprise. They're both top ten in the table. What do you think of Aston Villa?
5: Well, what I've made of Aston Villa this so far this season, they're, they're a little bit like black track bullies. I think they're a side that uh, will beat the teams in the bottom half of the table. But I think when they and beat them well, and when they play teams at the top half of the table. I think they'll struggle. I think they're 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 some sort. Don't really know where they are. They're in that sort of six or seven position. They're not good enough to break in the Champions League, and they're too good for the for the bottom half. So I think when they're at home against teams who you would expect to finish mid-table to and lower, I think they're a good bet, especially at a price they are now. They're minus one ten against Crystal Palace. Um, They're only two losses this season. Aston Villa so far in the early part of being against two teams that you would expect to be competing for Champions League. Liverpool. And Newcastle, when they've been playing teams at the bottom, Burnley last week, they, or the last time they played, they put, they won it very easily. Their two home matches this season, they've won 3-0 and 4-0. That's the villain. They beat Burnley 4-0. They beat Hibernian in the Europa League 3-0. So their home form is strong. And when they're up against weaker opposition, they seem to uh, to go all out and attack more. And they play with no fear. Unai Henry, the manager, is a manager who likes to play with a very attack-minded football. I would expect goals here because Crystal Palace this season have been playing some attractive football as well. But I think the majority of the goals will come for the home club. And I think the Villa here at minus 110 probably present a little bit of value. Uh, my only slight concern is that Villa play in the Europa League on Thursday. And their manager, Emery, has a brilliant record in the Europa League. He's won it several times with Seville. And every club he goes to, he takes that competition very, very seriously. So that might be uh, be on their mind, but I think they'll be too strong at home against Crystal Palace. And I think it's are a side to really get with in home matches against bottom half sides. Against the top half sides, I think they, they could be turned over and turned yeah. over quite comfortably. But against the bottom half sides, I think they're too strong.
4: Follow the money, Pauling and Mitch Vese on the Sports Betting Network. Nigel Seely, our guest. Great follow on Twitter at Seeley underscore Nigel. Always traveling in Greece now. Uh, lower league's coming up in a second. How about Monday, one more, Nottingham Forest against Burnley?
5: Yeah, I like Nottingham Forest here. I mean, there's been a move for Burnley. There was a move for Burnley last week against Aspen Villa, and they lost 4-0. I think the big syndicates have suddenly looked at Burnley and think they're a side that uh, could be underrated and could get a big win. But what I've seen from them so far, I, I can't see that. They won the championship with ease last last season. But their start of the season has been tough. They played Manchester City, they played uh, Tottenham, and they played um, Aston Villa. So it's a, a tough start for them. And now they played to Nottingham Forest, and it's a side that they may expect to win. But Nottingham Forest last season in the Premier League had the best home record in the bottom half of the table, an exceptional home record. Their away, away record was terrible. They only won one match, and that was the worst record in the Premier League. So their home record got them out of trouble. If they couldn't get better on the road, I thought there could be a side that this season Finishing in the top 10 rather than the bottom. I've always thought that Nottingham Forest at home are a formidable side to beat. You've, they've only ever got beaten by the big clubs in the Premier League. And last week, they got that really big win away at Chelsea, or last Sunday in the, in two weeks ago in the, in the Premier League. They got that big win against Chelsea. And I think that galvanises them. I think they, they, that's probably their biggest win since they returned from the Premier League because they were terrible on the road. They're really strong at home, and they play a burning side that have lost every single match so far in the Premier League. And the line, the line on the money line on Forest is getting bigger and bigger every time I see. Um, earlier in the week, it was minus one ten. Then it went out to evens. Then it was plus one ten. And this morning, it's now plus one fifteen. Mm. There is a negativity around Nottingham Forest. And I'm not quite sure why. Um, I think they're a really good side, and I think the syndicates, the big band syndicates from the Asian lines, have uh, got a big fancy for Burnley so far in the early markets. And they, they I wouldn't really follow the money in now because. You know, the early part of the season is when you you can form your own opinion. And I think Nottingham Forest here at plus 115 is is too big.
4: Okay. How about a couple plays on the lower leagues? Give us one in the championship and one in League One, please.
5: I'm going to go for Norwich to win at home against Stoke. Uh, Norwich are the highest scorers in the championship this season. They've got goals all over the pitch. If you look at the top goal scorers in the championship, if you look at the top lists, uh, the top 20 goal scorers, five players from Norwich featuring the top 20. So that shows you they've got goals all over the pitch. Uh, they've got the top goal scorer in the division. They've got uh, Josh Sharjant, the the American who plays them as well. Unfortunately, he's not playing this weekend, but I think they'll be too strong for Stoke, who are a mid to low table championship side, uh, a club that have had problems on the road. They haven't, they haven't scored on the road this season. And against the team that are the high scorers in the championship, admittedly, Norwich did lose their last match, which was a 2-1 de- defeat at a lowly club in Rotherham. Um, I, th- I can, can forgive them for that result. And I think with the goals that they have in the team, I think they're going to have goal threats going to get them through. And I think at minus, around at minus 110, I think they're a decent bet to beat Stoke. And in League One, I'm going to go for Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln are managed by a former Liverpool uh, winger called Mark Kennedy, pay for Ireland. Um, Lincoln are an unfashionable club, but they've started the season really, really well. Mark Kennedy was a rookie boss last season. Everyone expected him to, to do poorly and didn't expect him to last the season, but he did really well with hardly any money to spend. Uh, this season, they've started off really well. In eight matches, they've only lost once, and that was on the opening day of the season against Bolton, who were the team of the favourites to win League One. And they play a Carlisle side, who were promoted from League Two last campaign. It was a surprise that they got promoted because they didn't have any budget. Uh, they haven't started life in the higher division that well. And I think Lincoln in League One are a side that are currently underrated on what I've seen so far. On my ratings, I would make them a lot stronger than, I think they're about plus 110, I believe, Lincoln. I, I, think, I think they're a lot stronger than that. I would have them down about minus 125 to win this match. Or anything around about even money, uh, I would play. So Lincoln to beat Carlisle in League One in England. Norwich to Big Stoke in the championship and in the Premier League I'm going to go for Aston Villa uh, Tottenham minus one and a half and Nottingham Forest but they're getting bigger and bigger as the game approaches wait till Monday might even get a bigger price when they're at home to uh, Burnley
0: very good Uh, awesome dynamite analysis as always continue uh, to have a great vacation thanks for the time as always Nigel
5: take care guys all the best
0: yeah best of luck this weekend there you go he's on Twitter at Sealy underscore Nigel Uh, go check him out follow him there great follow as well and uh The analysis is superb when it comes to uh, this sport. Up next, a Thursday night football betting preview. Both teams have been impacted by injuries. And a head coach admitted one of his players needs more touches. Tell you who that is. Coming up on Follow the Money, it's Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Nobody knows football like VEASAN. Now's the time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Only VEASAN Pro subscribers get all the tools to prep for college and pro games every week. Picks page recaps all the best bets from every host and guest throughout the day in one convenient place. That's awesome. For Brad Powers coming up, Nigel Seeley. Check out the leaderboard to see who has the hot hand and the betting splits. updated with DraftKings Betting Dad every five minutes. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Become part of the team in the Sports Betting Network.
0: College football here as professional sports better Brad Powers joins the program. His website is bradpowersports.com. He's on Twitter. Great follow at Brad Powers 7. Good morning, Brad. Thanks for the time. As always, I want to begin by asking you this. How much stock, and I know we go over this every single year, but there's always new people into betting um, and different angles obviously pop up. How much stock do you put into letdown games such as Texas against Wyoming this week after the big win against Alabama on the road last week? or look-ahead spots for a team like Colorado with Oregon Lumi next week or Notre Dame on Saturday as they play Ohio State a week from now?
6: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, You know, I'm going to have probably a boring answer, but as I continue to progress in the industry, I get older, uh, they mean less to me. I mean, obviously, you know, it's something maybe to consider, but always first and foremost for me, what's the number? So if it's close to the number, uh, you know, or, or my numbers already calling to bet, like say, you know, fade Texas off the big win. And then you have, you know, the possible motivational lack of motivation, then certainly it could play a factor. But more and more, I, I can't get in the minds of these 20 year olds as I get older. I mean, we're, we're two generations apart almost at this point. So um, no, it doesn't really play a factor for me. And I mean, just a let's go game specific. Uh, my number's actually called to bet Texas, so I bet Texas this week. And I actually, you know, my number's still called to play Alabama, so I actually laid a big number with Alabama, too, this week.
4: All right, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you you laid seven in March, incredible, with Washington against Michigan State. Now what do you want to do, and where do you think the number goes here with how, Washington, how well Washington's played to start the season and the Tucker issues?
6: Yeah, so, I mean – I got a big power ratings disparity in this game. Um, And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm too low or too high on a specific team, but that hasn't been the case with these two teams so far this season. I think my power ratings said play both on Michigan State and Washington in week uh, week one, and then last week uh, it said to play against both teams. So I haven't been overly high or overly low on either team. And yet somehow I have a three and a half, four point power ratings disparity this week between the line. And well, why is that? Did, Did I not adjust it? team's performances in week two accordingly. I don't think that's the case. Both teams played pretty much to expectation against Tulsa and Richmond. So where is it? Where can the mispricing be? Well, I think people have overreacted to the Mel Tucker news, quite frankly. I don't think much of Mel Tucker. So yeah. I actually think it might be a positive that the guy's not there, to be honest with you. that, that That's how I don't think much of him at all. I you got to talk. A, this is where I do think history might come into play as a program. Historically, Michigan State, it doesn't matter the coach. They have a perennial chip on their shoulder. These are the types of games where they step up when everybody throws them in the trash. Uh, I, I, I like Michigan State at the current number. But let's go ahead and wait and see if the negativity continues on game day and see if we can get a 17. But Michigan State certainly will be in my pocket when the week is all said and done.
4: Does it factor in how well the Pac-12 is playing this year and crushing at non-conference?
6: That's a good question. Uh, yeah, certainly it should. I mean, I've upgraded almost every team in the conference for the most part, with the exception of maybe Arizona State. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost like bowl season. When, when you see those first data points coming in and, and a conference is overachieving expectations significantly, then, then you tend to you know gravitate towards that conference. But it's, it's always going to come down to this, guys. What is my individual power rating on the game? Uh, You know, I I don't try to overthink things. I've I've gotten paralyzed by overanalyzing in the past.
0: Okay, yeah. How much did you bump up Colorado after their second game? And at the same time, did did you actually bump Nebraska down even more?
6: Yeah, good question. So, I mean, you guys said, I don't think you could, you know, Paul Stone and some others have really upgraded Colorado. Uh, you think you've upgraded them a lot, but other people have upgraded them more. And, you know, kudos to those guys. They were right. I was wrong when in terms of the Nebraska-Colorado game. I upgraded Colorado significantly again, another five points. So 11 points since the start of the season, 22 points since the end of last season. I mean, historical number. I've never upgraded a team three touchdowns at this point in the season uh, from, from, from where they were the, the year prior. Uh, but my gut is telling me, and this isn't being negative against Colorado, it's just my gut is telling me it's too much, to be honest with you, especially when you start looking at some underlying stats. You look at 12 sacks allowed uh, yeah, by Colorado. Right? You look at, the, look at the rushing stats. We are talking about a Colorado team that is negative 4.5 yards per carry. Just a simple stat, rushing yards per carry, negative 4.5. That is not, that's not bad football. That That's like bottom 10 in the country football. That's what that says. So we'll see what happens. Not this week. Cause I think Colorado state's a good matchup for Colorado, uh, personnel, you know, scheme wise. Uh, it's very similar to Colorado state, Washington state game. If you watch that one, Oof. yeah. Washington state, he yeah, had running open receivers all over the field. I think that's similar to, to Saturday night, but I think come next week, Oregon and USC, Uh, we'll, we'll see how, just how good this Colorado team is. I I got a funny feeling by, by, by the end of the month, uh, 22 point upgrade is going to be, we're going to say, yeah, that was a little too high.
0: Yeah. It'll correct itself probably a little bit now for people wanting to bet this game and looking to bet the dog here. Do you think this continues to go up? Will it be 24? Will it be a 24 and a half? You think at some point?
6: Possibly, yeah, because I'm going to tell you guys like myself are probably going to be a little cautious. Weren't cautious last week, weren't afraid to take Nebraska. You saw it, you know, come out, even with all the overwhelming public money. I mean, it was very tough to, to get that back to three, even on game day, where guys like myself wanted the three, wanted the three and a half. And whatnot. I don't know if there's that much resistance this week but with you know Colorado State. Again, it's a, not a good matchup. But mm. uh, so what you're going to see on Saturday, public money. It's the story. They're on like what four different pregame shows, 60 minutes, yeah. Fox, ESPN. <laughs> everybody's there. So all the hype and hoopla. It's a late game. Uh, you're going to play. It's the bailout game. Yeah, uh, right. You know, what <laughs> are they going to bet? They're going to bet Colorado. So yeah, wait. If you're looking to bet Colorado State, you need to
4: wait. All the money, Paulie and Mitch Veason, the Sports Betting Network. Brad Powers, our guest. Brad Powers, 7 on Twitter, bradpowersports.com as well. How about share your tweet about Florida and Tennessee?
6: Yeah, so, I mean, when I saw Tennessee favored by, you know, a touchdown on the road at Florida, immediately I thought, wow, when's that happened? I, I can't recall, and I'm, per, you know, I like to think of myself as a decent historian of college football. So I went back to 1976. That's as far back as I can find ATS logs. Uh, on teams, and they've never been this big of a favorite in Florida. In fact, they've been, they've rarely ever been a favorite in Florida. In fact, the only two instances where I could find it close, uh, they were a pick 'em uh, one season in 2015. They lost the game outright, and then they were a one-point favorite uh, all the way back in 1994 and, and lost that game. So uh, that this is <laughs> they don't have a good track record uh, of you know as, as far as this price goes uh, of going to Gainesville and having success. Now, does that mean anything to this year's game? No, uh, but I like history. It's an historical k- k- kind of outlier. But I will say this. Uh, I am concerned about what I've seen from Tennessee offensively. They are inconsistent. Kind of what we kind of expected going mm-hmm. from, you know, Hendon Hooker to Joe Millen. He'll give you the wild throws, but on a possession in and possession out basis, I don't see the consistency. So I still, I do lean with Florida in this matchup. I prefer the under though. Don't like the Tennessee offense. I've upgraded yeah. their defense. I think Florida's defense is okay. Ah, uh, offense not so much. So we got all four factors saying under for me.
0: How much have you downgraded Ohio State and maybe Georgia? And uh, with that said, what do you make of the Ohio State number this week?
6: Downgraded the Buckeyes three points. Um, I think that's kind of conservative because my, my numbers are saying play on them this week significantly. And I did bet the Buckeyes against Western Kentucky. It's kind of scary laying that kind of number when the offense can't score. But, uh, you know, Western Kentucky's been outgained in both games. So I think they're kind of a fraudulent team. So it was kind of more of a play against Western Kentucky. So three-point downgrade for Ohio State, a little bit less of a downgrade for Georgia, about a point and a half. They look like they're sleepwalking. Uh, we'll see that I'll get a good handle on, on how good Georgia is or how big of a step back I, that they have taken this week against South Carolina. I think they should bury South Carolina. When you look at the matchup. Yep.
0: Now that's, that's an angle that I can get on board with. And I saw that on Twitter as well, that Georgia could be sleepwalking. When you put yourself in the shoes of the kids that are, that are there going for a three peat with their schedule, they've been the big man on campus now for 24 months. I mean, it's definitely gotten to their yep. heads.
6: Yeah, I mean, look, look at I, if you're really, I'm not sure how many people watched uh, them play UT Martin or Ball State, but their best player so far has been like a walk-on kid, Mackay Muse. He was actually their best player in the spring game. He's playing with the, his hair on fire. I just want to see the energy that, from from the rest of the roster. I'm just wondering if conference play starts, they wake up a little bit yeah, this week. Right,
0: right, makes a lot of sense. Uh, again, you can follow Brad on Twitter. He's at Brad Power Seven. The website is Brad Powersports.com. We love talking to you, man. Good luck this week.
6: Hey, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yep, there you go. Professional sure. sports better Brad Powers. Uh, yeah, his number said Texas, too short, so we bet them. Also bet Ohio State. Said he's going to wait for 17 on Michigan State. I'm betting Michigan State if that number gets to 17 as well. And then uh, another one was, was it Kansas? Tennessee under? Yeah, Tennessee under. Sorry. Yep. Yep, yep. there you go. No, oh, he's got uh, Nevada. I'm sorry. He's got Nevada. Might be the with worst, the Kansas.
4: probably the worst card of the season this week. It yeah, probably. But next week is phenomenal, right? How about Dave? Blaming the clock for their issues
0: offensively. Well, when it's not going well, <laughs> get out of the way. Okay. Got to come up with a bunch of excuses. Uh, I like the idea of more teams making trades during the season in the NFL. This one would be juicy, and we're not talking about the Jets. That's what I always say. You always follow
4: yeah, the money. Yeah. This is Follow the Money with Mitch Moss and Polly Howard on VSN.
0: Welcome in. It is Follow the Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting net, uh, Network. Mitch Moss, Polly Howard. We are live in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. And the VP of this great property, Mike Palm, joins the program in studio today. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good
7: morning, Mitch. Good morning, Paul. Good hey, morning. Putney, Vermont, our loyal. Nesson family that's watching Mount Sterling, Illinois, Peekaboo Marquee, we see you. White River, Ontario, all the folks watching north of the border, oh Canada, on Rogers Sportsnet, Sarver, Pennsylvania, in the greater Pittsburgh metropolitan area, on at and Visalia, California. It's a sunrise over spectrum. We say good morning.
0: What was your reaction Monday night when you saw Rogers go down? Were you down here at one of the properties? Of course not. Okay, I was going to say the place, the air must have been taken out I of was- the.
7: I was not. The book was packed. I saw video video from the book. you know, obviously that the opening on 9-11 and and them carrying the flag out and it it was very electric. And I did have a first half under on the game. So I thought that put me in a good position. But, uh, you know, uh, stunning to me that they would win that game. Oh boy! I mean, bad job by the I Bills. I watched the end game numbers. I never made an in game bet. I just let the first half go, and you know, never really had a sweat twenty-two for the first half. But, I mean, they were at one point uh, close to ten to one dog in that game, and I, I saw nine hundred, nine fifty. Maybe it was ten to one at one point. You know, how could you ever think that they were going to come back and win that game? Well, how could you think Buffalo wasn't going to score? Um, it, 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 was, uh, it was pretty amazing to me, the, the whole scenario there, and then how you view the Bills moving forward as well. How do you? Well, it's interesting from a survivor perspective this week. I mean, I think the yep. choice comes down to the Bills hosting the Raiders, or will people stick to their original game plan and fade the Cardinals and, and play the New York Giants? I am. Even after that Sunday night debacle? Yep. You I, will?
4: I, I, absolutely, I am okay. absolutely playing the Giants. Okay. I, 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 think,
7: I think people will be on the Niners, too. Really? Mm, Division I Division game on wow. the road. I think pe- that people saw what they... Well, how about the Rams? The Rams... No, I know. What did Seattle met? have? Three yards in the second yeah. half? It's well, a, it's a, a divisional road yeah. game. I'm not playing the 49 That's 49ers, what I'm saying. But, yeah. I think formula formulaic, lately, many people will not consider that game. It
4: yeah. is as it isn't. You, you're right, though. It's They're going to have 70% of the crowd, though. Not true. You're right about that. <laughs> so uh, it's a tough list, though. But Allen's got to... I mean, the
7: Allen turnovers are just Mickey Mouse at this point. Is the season over for the Jets? I don't think you can say that. They've got a defense in a running game. I think it'll keep them in most games. Um, you know, I, I don't think there'll be a, uh, a big dog to the Patriots in either game, right? They're probably about what the Patriots, the, there'll be a dog in Buffalo. It, we'll see if Tua stays healthy. I'm just thinking about their division matchups. Sure. I think they're still, the season is not over. I go back to that scene in Hard Knocks where the defensive
0: coordinator is breaking down film with his players. Mm. And he kept going back and forth, showing the play, the pass from Rodgers to Wilson mm. in the end zone. And he was so impressed. And he's like, look at this throw. How many players in the world can make this throw? He's, he's, he's like one guy. Maybe he's the only guy. And he just looked at his team and he goes, we are going to be in so many games. We don't have to play him. He's our quarterback. And after four plays, wiped out. Yep.
7: My concern is also Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, sure. the, the marriage of Hackett and Rodgers is why all the, he went to Denver and then why they brought him back to the Jets. But the Denver experiment was so god-awful. Sure. Now I wonder, you're, you're, you've got a, a kid in his second year that has, there were leadership questions last year with the kid, there were arm strength questions, decision-making questions, and now you got a guy that struggled as an offensive coordinator or as a head coach very mightily last year. 31 people didn't submit their picks for Circus Survivor. No, that's, that's an inaccurate statement, Paul. There were 31 entries that were not submitted. There, okay. I there only I know, well, I know of three people. Oh, you do? Because of their correspondence with one, Jeff Benson. One okay. lady had 10 entries. Oh, it did? One, you, you remember your prop? Will there'd be, an there be an 0 and 10. Well, there'd be an 0 and 10. It BS happened? Yes, It did happen. It, wow. It did happen. Um, but I think there's the, I smell a rat here because she writes this letter and she insists, she never calls it survivor. Her email calls it the NFL draft contest, the NFL draft contest. She did have 10 entries. She's a second year law student at the Boyd school of law at UNLV 10 entries. Okay. She attended law school in New York. This is like the paper chase. I think this might be a project in her law class that they were going to buy these entries and then not submit their picks and then try to make a case out of this because, you know, she's got her emotional distress her claim or this or that. Jeff Benson, whose father was a lawyer, answered her. "Um, Here's where it's listed in our rules. Here's where it's. And by the way, when you gave us your ten thousand dollars, you signed at the bottom of the form that you understood all the rules. Uh, And 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 that's the bottom line. So we haven't gotten her follow up to Jeff's email, but I I feel like it's the story is is hard to believe they
0: were cr- trying to create a story
7: well on i this. don't know i'm just yeah, in no, my mind it. the second year, second year lawsuit of ten thousand
0: dollars i'm going to get in this contest yeah, i'm okay. not sure how sure. many
7: other women had 10 entries as well you know but here's the thing about the experience so we go from six thousand to to ninety two sixty seven. you know we increased this number of entries by 50 percent, but barely increased the number of people it's about how many entries over a uh, three and a quarter entries per per people um 353 did 10 entries. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really strong. Uh, And and nine and eight and seven and six. So we expanded because we expanded the number of entries there. So uh, 21% of the pool gets eliminated, which is a very decent chunk in week one. I don't feel guilty. I said it four different times. I would not use not one pick on the Vikings if I had 10 entries. People had their own reasons. Uh, Seahawks was the game that surprised me. I, I, I thought it might be close. I thought five was too big a number, but I didn't think it would go like that and, then, and, and on down the list. 30 of 32 teams were selected. Yeah. Think about that. And no one had Miami. had Miami. People had Arizona. Yeah. No one had Miami. No one had the Giants. Wisdom there from the field. Okay. But, yeah. oh, wow. Okay. You know what? Yeah. I,
0: I said this on Monday. I like the Arizona picks. I don't mind them. Mm. Because if you're one of four people to take Arizona – and you knew that 35, 40, 45% of the field was going to be on Washington. Bam.
7: Yeah, I still think that clearly the Commanders were the right play, even though they you had to sweat out that game. I, I know Femi took the Falcons. So did 349 other entries. I didn't hate that and one. You, I don't hate it, but there's other times you might use the Falcons yeah. this year. I just, you don't foresee it, at least not through Week 12, where you're going to use the Commanders yeah. again.
0: Would you consider the Eagles tonight? Neither
7: would I. No. Not I did at on all. Sunday
0: with these injuries. They're not a consideration for
7: okay. me. Okay. I uh, I was uh, disappointed in the Eagles' performance. If they don't get all those early turnovers, they're probably losing that game. Oh, no doubt. Against Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? So there's some questions there in the Super Bowl loser uh, curse. Uh, I thought clearly one team had the best week one. Now you could argue the Lions because they beat the Chiefs on the road. But clearly one team played the best, and I think cemented themselves as one of the best teams, best three teams in football with their performance on Sunday. No doubt about and, it. And that was the Cleveland Browns. Oh, okay. There is a doubt about it then. I what? thought Cleveland by far had the best game. What? They got no play from Watson and absolutely yeah, dominated Yeah, that's a problem that. though. but, He's but still rusty. He's still, I mean. Look, the Cincinnati team, 13 drives, Paul. Two of them had multiple first downs. Yeah, but he, eleven
4: Burrow, punts. Burrow wasn't out there though either,
7: so that could be the comeback with that. Um Nick d- Chubb is the best running back in the NFL. And I think You're the Browns better than Henry I think the Brown's point.
0: defensive line and that defensive They're unit. Going to overall. are gonna create
7: pressure on everybody. They it, got all first and second round picks in the secondary. I'm telling you, this team is for real. who do you think he was gonna say? No doubt the Niners. Because the yeah. Steelers might be good. They yeah. might That's the key word there is might they might not be is might. Sure. But that
0: was that game was over with not even at halftime. That game was over with in the second quarter. They went to Pittsburgh and
7: owned them. Yeah, we we made a big mistake here. We kept that on the volume too long. You know, when McCaffrey runs the touchdown in the second half, we should have immediately switched to the Minnesota game or a more compelling game. And, you know, and survivor even the Washington game, because so many people had survivor picks on it.
4: That's right. Good observation. Yeah. Yeah. How about Trent Williams? I was hoping the Steelers were going to get first downs. I was gassed. The Steelers <laughs> kept going three and out. And we had long drives. I was
7: tired. They My didn't God. have a first down to the last drive of the first half. <laughs> My God.
4: what's? Yeah. Uh, I know Jeff Benson tweeted it and also Circa. The best excuse or lamest excuse for not getting picks in, it was 38 entries in Circa Millions as well. Someone thought it was a raffle. They came up to the counter in January.
7: Did I win the raffle? I. Anyone well, to stick out? There was one guy that sent the email or the tweet and he emailed. He just forgot about it. He said, "I just threw away four thousand. I p- completely forgot about it. There was another guy that had two entries and didn't put it. And he was all mad. All these people say the rules are unclear. The rules are why don't you get till kickoff? I mean, what? Why? Well, that's nice for in your mind, but that's not what the rules are. <laughs> yeah, you know, and right. and they get upset with it. I thought the number was low. I mean. I thought in Survivor there would definitely be more than 40. Yeah, you so made a bigger was, number on yep, that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I, it was impre- and considering that one really might not be. Maybe, maybe you know, that's the, that's some uh, balloon case for a law student. You know, <laughs> test balloon. <laughs> test balloon case. Really, made, there only might have been 21. So, so that's sure, an impre- impressive for the field. Do you know
4: how many people, this is a tough question, but oh, you're no. the maestro. Oh, how no. many people used the
7: Chiefs and then bought back in? Yeah, I'd have to get that from Jeff. Okay. I, I didn't ask him that. I was shocked that 68 people used the Chiefs in yeah. that spot. Yeah. The, the Lions were the free roll play. You either get that win uh, on the road or you buy back in. If you were going to buy back in, I would have used in 5 to 1. I would thought it would have been 5 to 1 Lions picks. Well,
0: so 12 people used the Lions. Yeah. Derek told us last week, Derek mm-hmm. Stevens owner here at yeah. Circa, said he knew of one person who was considering doing all ten on the lines. Did
7: mm-hmm. that? Per, do you know if they did? Uh, I, I don't know, but there was only twelve, right? Yeah, only twelve. Yeah, so only I, I 12. doubt that ten. Yeah. Uh, all, one person did, but five and zero in the millions. One hundred and forty-six people. Uh, one hundred and forty people. Nine hundred and sixteen. Four and one. And one hundred and fifteen. Zero and five to start out the year in the millions. And well, but that was thirty-eight of those are. The non-submitted? No, entries? there was 163 0-5, so I, I, or 153, okay. so I backed out the 30 You backed it out, yeah. okay. All They're right. ineligible because they didn't submit picks. Right. Let's follow
0: the money here on V-CIN, mm. the Sports Betting Network. Up next, more with Mike Palm. He will touch on the biggest football gaffes of the previous week in no hyperbole here on v
4: Week two tonight. Who has you covered for all the action? It's DraftKings, of course. Official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Get in week two action tonight. DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app. Use code FOLLOW to sign up. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Code FOLLOW. Bet five. Get $200 instantly in bonus bets. The crown is yours at DraftKings. Love Thursdays. Such a fun show flies by the Hall of Famer. Paul Charchi enjoys us now. K-Fan Radio, Guillotine Leagues, fantasy football expert to go over everything now fantasy related. You are in your 50s. You lived most of your life in Minnesota. Yeah. Based on your experience, the Vikings never win a game like this. True?
3: Correct. This is and, and, and last year, week two, nationally televised game in Philadelphia. The Vikings got destroyed, and yeah. it's shaping up exactly that way. The Vikings are going to be without their starting center, and it looks like their left tackle may or may not play. Either way, he's going to play hurt if he does play, and their left tackle is the best lineman they got, Christian Darrisaw. And here comes the Philly defensive line. I mean, it's just like you can't script it any worse than that. This could go down much like the Dallas Giants game last Sunday night went, where just the offensive line is just so overwhelmed that the entire game plan crumbles immediately. And I, I can see this game working out that way for the Vikings. It's it's in danger of being a real blowout, much like the last year's game was.
0: Okay, now that's, wow. that's the ultimate bad news here. The good news going into this game for the Vikings, Paul, happens to be the banged-up secondary for the Eagles. Yeah. So I, I know what you're saying about the offensive line, the front seven for the Eagles, but can they exploit this at all? Because they have the weapons, we all know this, can Jefferson get into the end zone tonight?
3: Yeah, that's the hope here. So James Bradbury, that's a huge loss. They're yep. also short of safety, but Bradbury's the big loss. You know, he's out of the concussion. So what does that mean for the Vikings? Now, Bradbury plays one side of the field. Um, and last week when he went out, the Eagles subbed in Josh Joby into that spot. He has 23 career snaps in coverage. That's it. So they're going to, you know, they'll get Justin Jefferson over there. Now, you might be thinking, well, Darius Slay might, you know, move over to the other side of the field or maybe he'll just play man on Justin Jefferson. But even if he does that now, he's playing out of position and they'll go to the other side. you I know, mean, if they do that, they can go away from Slay. They'll go to Jordan Addison if they need to. So I do think there's there are there's some passing coming and especially passing, not running coming for the Vikings. The, the game script is going to be pass heavy for sure. The so Vikings are likely to be down and down early. So Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, all potential factors here, uh, particularly with James Bradbury out. Vikings do an excellent job. They always they play the receivers almost evenly between left, right, and slot. And so they're really, Kevin O'Connell does a great job of scheming guys all over the field to find the most advantageous positions. So I don't think there's I don't think there's a way to just cover up the Bradbury loss for the Eagles. So from a player prop standpoint, still very strong on Jefferson and Addison and Hawkinson.
0: Okay, what's your breakdown then of the Eagles backfield? No Kenneth Gainwell, who was by far and away the number one guy at that position for the team last week.
3: Yeah, which is surprisingly so it's gonna be more of a rotation. But as it turned out, DeAndre Swift only had one carry and Boston Scott had one carry, and those are the guys that are gonna be the healthy runners going into this game. Swift should get more carries. Boston Scott hasn't had a double-digit carry game since December 2021. He is a spot guy and always has been, and his size just I think makes him that way, unless he's playing the Giants apparently. But mm-hmm. the uh, and then Swift also gets more receptions. Boston Scott logged six catches last year, and Swift is a good pass catcher. I was not able I'm not able to find a Swift. Prop on receptions or receiving yards at this point. If one develops later, I would look that way because I believe he will get uh, most all the receptions for running backs that are available. And if you can get a line that's you know like three, four receptions for Swift, I, I like that angle a lot. Vikings gave up four receptions last game.
4: All right, uh, sky is falling. Part of the segment. How concerned should we be with the Cincinnati offense?
3: Yeah, boy, that was that was bad, right? Okay, so some people are there, there's excuses to be had for sure, right? It was raining in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Burrow missed a month of of preseason. And also, there's that. And get this, by the way, Burrow's average pass, two and a half yards. (laughs) Two and a half yards. That's it. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) So anyway, um, there was plenty of concern. Joe Mixon was the only semi-effective Bengal last week. And here's another great stat for you. He had more yards than the rest of the Bengals combined. (laughs) Joe Mixon did. Uh, But he could struggle here. Ravens' run defense was awesome last year. They were awesome last week. They held Damian Pierce to 38 yards. The pass defense, much more suspect. And so I'm optimistic for a bounce back from from Burrow and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase because, in part, they lost their safety, uh, starting safety Marcus Williams, last week. He's done. And C.J. Stroud, in his first ever game against the Ravens last week, 54 dropbacks. So, you know, it looks like at least, you know, the Texans gave us, uh, gave us a look at how you can try to go attack the Ravens. They felt it was through the air. So a lot of volume coming for Joe Burrow and a bounce back is likely. All right. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that offense will look a lot better. Mm-hmm. Same thing you think with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore. Are, are you expecting a lot of points in this game? I'm nervous
3: uh, about this one. So Ooh. let's talk Lamar Jackson. There's some things that I saw that were really troubling here. Uh, first, new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin gave Lamar Jackson Two designed runs. Two. This is his best ability. This is like how he breaks open games, right? And it's not, and I'm not one of these people that says he can't pass. He can pass too. But, mm-hmm. you know, we know that Lamar Jackson can do, can keep defenses honest. He can do so many special things with his legs. And especially from a fantasy standpoint, we're here for the running, baby. You know, we're not here for the passing. So if Jackson's legs aren't going to be a regular contributor, I think we've got a problem. And if we go back to week four of last year, Lamar Jackson's averaging 0.9 passing touchdowns per game. Mm. That is not good. And that includes a game against the Bengals in which he threw for 174 yards and one touchdown. And that's it last year. Um the Bengals defense is good. Their pass defense, they I don't know if you saw Deshaun Watson's game. Brutal. He was awful. Yep. And the Bengals have a that is a solid secondary. So I'm
4: I am concerned about Lamar Jackson in this one. One more, Justin Fields.
3: Also troubling usage here. So you're Justin Fields. And again, similar to what we we're just saying with Lamar Jackson, like you're rushing is your best game breaking trait that defenses can't stop. Luke Getze, offensive coordinator for the Bears, gave him two designed runs that netted two yards. That was it. I heard this stat as a comparison. Josh, When Josh Allen runs 10 or more times through his career, the Bills are 18 and 2. Mm. I mean Ooh. you know if you've got this if you've got this special runner for the love of god let him run and the other big trait that fields has got right he's got the gigantic arm that he can throw deep deep downfield how many deep passes was he afforded two in a game they were trailing throughout the game mm-hmm. and granted the chicago's blocking was terrible and he probably had more opportunities he didn't play well either he did probably had more opportunities than than uh, we ended up seeing but Fields' poise and pocket awareness remains bad, just like it was last year. It hasn't come together yet. It's only week one, so we're not, you know, not calling it a career. But what we saw there was extremely discouraging.
0: Yeah, the Giants threw up the ultimate stink bomb in week one out of any team in the entire league, did nothing offensively, held scoreless the entire game. Well, they yeah. go from playing that defense right, and the Cowboys are really, really good and talented team, to taking on a team thought of as the worst team in the NFL. Are you expecting a bounce back from Daniel Jones and others here with the Giants?
3: Well, I mean, the the easy answer to say yes. Although I'll say this, I thought thought Arizona's defense in particular looked better than I expected, and maybe that's what Jonathan Gannon is going to be able to do is, you know, put together a a quasi-functional defense here. Uh, But in totality, this is obviously a much, much better matchup for the Giants. Arizona's pass rush, fractionally as good as Dallas's. Dallas logged 37 pressures against Jones last week, which is an astounding number. The Cardinals, by comparison, had 15 in their game against Washington. Uh, Daniel Jones' receivers, far more favorable matchups, including Darren Waller, assuming he's able to go here. Um, the Cardinals allowed the most fantasy points to tight ends uh, last year, and last week Logan Thomas got targeted seven times. So if he's able to go, that'll help. And then similarly, mobile quarterback Sam Howell ran in a rushing touchdown last week and against the Cardinals. And you know I think you've got a similar skill set here, rushing ability for Daniel Jones. Yep. So hopefully, I'll have a chance to get a little running game going here too.
0: The website is guillotineleagues.com. I'm in five of those this year. I happen to advance yeah, in all five. So fingers crossed that can continue. Attaboy. Tell our audience about the format. And uh, by the way, you you allow drafting to go until what part of the season?
3: Uh, Mid-November, you can still create a new guillotine league. Oh, it just ends, you just have one fewer team. So normally we'd start the season with 18 teams because there's 18 weeks left in the season. Uh, at this point, we're starting leagues with 17 teams. And every week, the lowest scoring team gets chopped. All their players go to the waiver wire, where the rest of us end up building superstar rosters over the course of the team, feeding on those rosters. All you have to do is not finish last don't be the ultimate loser in any week and you win the whole thing that's leagues.com.
0: it's awesome i'll give you an example uh i don't love one of my teams so nick chubb became available i made yes. a bid of like 450 dollars which is super high uh-huh. out of a thousand dollars the guy who won nick chubb paid 800 oh for nick chubb much. in week one
3: that's too much he's on Holly, a 200 you bucks a thousand, you get a thousand fictional dollars to spend all season All season oh. he blew 800 he blew 800 in week one right uh, yeah, incredible that's, so that's gonna be a mistake
0: love talking to you man <laughs> uh best of luck this weekend
3: <laughs> you guys are the best we'll talk right. Bye bye. i you
4: love it hall of famer that's great there it is again huh two guys from minnesota uh, they don't I win mean, this
0: game oh, they I, never win a game like this please vikings win this <laughs> game i just if you miss any of the show search follow the money wherever you get your podcast we'll see you If you dare.